Hello, and welcome to the In Awe and Wonder podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Hamilton. So we are on the last week of school for my kids. So I have today and tomorrow with my oldest two in school, and then they are done for the summer. And then my youngest goes for two and a half more days, and then she's done. So as I had said in the last episode, my older two do have jobs for the summer, so they will be working, and I just don't know yet how much their schedules are going to overlap each other. So I don't know how often they will both be out of the house at the same time, but I will have our youngest here. And so I'm just unsure of when and where I'm going to get a chance to be recording every week, but we will try to just roll with it and do the best we can. This week I am doing a special episode that's not on the same rotation as I've used for the past two months. I'm not sure yet about the rest of the month of June, if I will be sticking with the former way that I did April and May. I've been developing a database of ideas, of topics that I would like to discuss, so we might just end up diving into those for at least the summer and see how that goes. So stay tuned. Today's topic is going to be discussing the church that we are going to become members in. Back when I did my first four introductory episodes to this podcast, I gave my story about how I sort of was becoming reformed and that whole journey, which was very convoluted, (laughs) kind of twisting and turning along a lot of different paths. And I believe I had stated in those episodes, because I recorded those back in 2019, we were attending a PCA, Presbyterian Church of America, and we did attend that church for probably about six months, give or take. But since then, we have moved on from there, and I kind of wanted to just give a little bit of background about all of that and then share with you where we are currently and where we just completed membership classes And we are going to be filling out the application and going before the elders and then being presented as members. The church we are at is Bible Fellowship Church. So it's a little known denomination. And yes, it is a denomination. I believe there are only about 69 churches in the whole denomination. And so it's small. Many of the churches are located in Pennsylvania. That is where the headquarters are. But I saw other churches on there that are in New York, New Jersey, Delaware, Maryland. And then there's at least a couple down in Florida. So that's generally the areas where they're at. Otherwise, I don't know that many people have heard of this denomination. And it's very unique, and I love many aspects about it. And so I'm going to go ahead and tell you a little bit of our background from us moving here almost three years ago and going to a PCA and then going ahead over to the Bible Fellowship Church. The Bible Fellowship Church does consider itself Reformed, but there are different distinctives and nuances, I guess. It really is its own type of entity, and there is no other church or denomination 
I should say, out there that I'm aware of that is like this. So this is also to say that if you are looking for a church, and particularly if you're in one of those states that I mentioned, uh, you might want to look up Bible Fellowship Church. I think it's bfc.org is their uh, webpage for the denomination. And just see if there's any near you because they would be worth checking out. So to start, I'm going to back up a little bit in our story to where, you know, I was raised in a fairly orthodox Christian uh, worldview and tradition. Much of my upbringing was in the Evangelical Free Church, and that really gave me a solid foundation. As time went on, though, as an adult and with all the moving around that my husband and I did, we ended up in several different churches and types of churches. We, at one point, were members of a vineyard church, which at the time, if I would have known it was charismatic, we probably would not have gone. And it really wasn't until much later I realized or knew that it was actually considered a charismatic church. You know, the vineyard movement was started by C. Peter Wagner, who was, I guess, the grandfather of the New Apostolic Reformation, the NAR, which is not good at all. So I didn't know all that back then. And then when we moved to Maine, we went to a charismatic church, again, not knowing it was charismatic at first, just thinking it was a very large non-denominational church. We did end up becoming members for the short time that we were there, but then by the providence of God, he opened my eyes to things that they were doing that was wrong. And as I had shared, I had started reading a book by Bill Johnson, and I immediately saw the errors with what he wrote. And so that journey took me on to finding a podcast called Echo Zoe, which is now part of the Christian podcast community. I binged a lot of those episodes and then went on from there to um, other resources that were solid and reformed. Uh, A lot of material like Ligonier Ministries and R.C. Sproul and Church History with Robert Godfrey I just became a sponge, like learning all this stuff, and God was just opening up my eyes and uh, changing my heart, and that's when I started learning about the doctrines of grace and immediately recognized that those are clearly in the scripture, just brought me around like full circle, because at one time I had looked up Calvinism, and I remember reading on Wikipedia what Calvinism was, and just thinking to myself, like, no, that's not right. That's not fair. And like rejecting it to this point in time where I was like, yes, this is true. This is what the Bible says. The whole experience brought me back to the Bible. Reading the Bible brought me back to the whole gospel message. Through that process, I found Theology Gals, which is also a podcast here on the Christian Podcast Community, and I joined their Facebook group. And through several discussions in that group, I learned a whole lot of things about Reformed Theology. I read lots of books, too, and I've listened to tons of podcasts. As that was all happening, I told my husband that we needed to leave the charismatic church that we were attending there. And then it was just like, okay, where do we go? We were up in Maine at the time, like I said, and, you know, New England is a very liberal place, even when it comes to religion and churches. And so it's very difficult to find a solid Bible-based 
church there, especially Reformed, you know, I really wanted to go to a NAPARC church, like the PCA or the OPC, something like that, that I knew would be solid. But there just weren't any where we were. Um, I didn't even find any within an hour. (laughs) So I had to do a lot of digging around. I did find a Calvary Chapel that was probably close to 45 minutes away from us over in New Hampshire. And we did attend there one time to check it out. But my husband didn't really want to drive that far for church. You know, I had reached out to Nate Pickowitz. Pastor Nate has a church up in New Hampshire. And his church was probably, well, it was even longer than that Calvary Chapel. It was probably a good hour, hour and a half from us. So we never made it over to visit his church. There's just very sparse, solid Reformed churches up there. It was just like, okay, where do we go then? I was doing more digging around on the like independent type churches that were there and finally found one that I felt seemed solid enough on their website. And so we tried that out. It was a small church, but we connected with the pastor. He immediately reached out to my husband and they had lunch together a few times and started building a friendship. So that was really good. And come to find out that, yes, it it is a solid church. They seem to embrace the doctrines of grace. And the pastor and his wife, and also the worship leader and his wife, all had gone to Bob Jones University. And they had all been raised as fundamentalist Baptists. This church that they planted was not fundamentalist, but just an independent Baptist church. What they were teaching and preaching was solid, so it was a good fit for us. So then we moved to Pennsylvania in 2018, and I was very happy because the area that we're coming to had tons of Reformed churches. There are several PCAs. There's a couple OPCs. There's a few Reformed Baptist churches here. And then, like I am sharing about the Bible Fellowship Church, there are at least two in this direct area and several others around Pennsylvania. So we are in a spot of lots of Reformed Church options. And so I was excited about that. And honestly, I was like, I don't know what it really was. Maybe it was just the podcasts that I was listening to and things like that. But I really wanted to become Presbyterian with PCA. So uh, when we moved here, we did attend a few different churches at first. One of the top ones was the Presbyterian church that we did end up attending for about six months or so, maybe slightly longer. We started like meeting people and attending there on Sundays. And then also I got plugged in with the women's Bible studies on Wednesday nights and took my kids to youth group and kids club that was there. But, you know, my kids and my husband were never 100% comfortable. They thought it was a little bit too formal. They didn't really like the liturgy being so rigid, like pretty much the same layout, the same like rotation of saying the creeds. The whole congregation would say the creed, the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed. 
And then they would also read like one of the questions from the Westminster Confession and its answer. And they would do that as like a responsive congregational reading. My kids would always be like, it's so weird. They're like all chanting. Like it's just weird. And like, (laughs) I don't know what they really thought. I mean, we had never gone to a church that really did responsive readings or recited the creeds and things like that in the service. And so it was just different. I did my best to try to explain to them different things um, and reasons why they have the liturgy and the regulative principle of worship. And I tried to explain to them the paedo-baptism, the means of grace, so they would understand a little bit, but it just wasn't a place where everybody was comfortable, if that makes sense. And I know that church is not supposed to be about our own comfort and our own entertainment and all of that. Yet, I think there's a sense where you can kind of tell, you know, if that's the place for you and your family or not. So just a side note on baptism, because I know that's a main issue for people choosing Presbyterianism versus like Reformed Baptist or any type of Baptist church. Basically, uh, as I had shared in a different episode, my husband and I were both baptized as infants. He was in the Catholic Church and I was in the Methodist Church. But then throughout pretty much the rest of our lives, we attended churches that were credo-baptist, meaning believer's baptism. And so that was just what we sort of adopted and believed and still do, I would say. So we felt convicted to go ahead and be baptized as adult believers. Ironically, we made that decision to go ahead and do it when we moved to Maine. That happened to be when we were attending the charismatic church there before we switched over to the more solid independent Baptist church. So so we have been both baptized as infants and as adults. And even, you know, uh, becoming reformed as in the doctrines of grace and investigating what being reformed is and all of that, I'm still on the fence about baptism. I mean, either way is fine with me. (laughs) So, you know, I don't hold that view of which way it should be um, as high importance. I'm sort of sympathetic to both ways. I haven't done any major research and digging in at this point in time to the arguments behind both. I mean, I heard both arguments and I've sort of skimmed the surface. So I kind of get where each side is coming from. At this point, we are, like I said, looking to join the Bible Fellowship Church and they are Credo Baptist. So that is perfectly fine with us. So in addition to attending the Presbyterian Church, we decided to go ahead and look around a little bit further because basically the Presbyterian Church here was the only one that we had attended since moving here. And so when we made the decision to go ahead and look around a little bit more, we went for one Sunday to a Southern Baptist Church, which was Calvinistic. We went for a week to another Bible fellowship church that is larger and is actually the sister church to the one that we are joining. And then, of course, we went to the one that we're joining, which is a much smaller congregation, but we felt at home there. 
We really liked the pastor and his preaching style. We liked the atmosphere. The people there were extremely friendly and reaching out to us. It is a small congregation, so there aren't a ton of kids and youth, but they still have a kid's Sunday school and Wednesday night program once a month. And then they have youth group, which meets for Sunday school on Sundays, and then also a once a month meeting on Wednesdays. So our kids got plugged into those things. And then they have adult Sunday school classes, which have been helpful in learning more about their congregation and their denomination and building relationships with the people there and just learning about theology and doctrine. One of their series of Sunday school classes for the adults was going through their articles of faith, and that was very helpful in more deeply understanding the denomination. When I went on to work full-time at the Christian school I was at, there were a few families from our small congregation who sent their kids there. And also there were families from the sister Bible Fellowship Church. And there were families from that Southern Baptist Church that we visited. And there were also many families from the Presbyterian Church that we went to. It's a classical Christian school where a lot of Reformed people send their kids. It was a really neat experience for me to recognize those kids from those families from the different churches that we visited or attended for a short time here. I know two of those churches was just one Sunday each, but I did recognize their parents and I knew that the pastors of those churches sent their kids there. And so um, at certain events and parent days, and there was an invite your pastor to school day, I got to see all of these people. So moving on to just talk about kind of what the Bible Fellowship Church believes and its distinctives, how the BFC is really a hybrid of Presbyterian and like Reformed Baptist. So that's what makes it really unique from other churches and denominations. Now for a while, as we were attending this BFC, I was wondering why they weren't just Reformed Baptists. Like why didn't they just call themselves that? And why didn't they just follow the 1689 London Baptist Confession? They do have their own Articles of Faith and Biblical Principles for Living, which is in one volume of a booklet. And then they have a Principles of Order booklet in volume two for the Bible Fellowship Church. I have almost finished reading all of those booklets. I have gone through all of the Articles of Faith and just reading on some of the other topics in the books and then going through the membership class, which was, I think, three sessions, it was very helpful in understanding even further. And so what makes the BFC unique, really, is that they have a Presbyterian form of church government. So they have a whole conference of churches. They are made up of um, each church has pastors and elders. And then there is representatives from the elders who attend the yearly conference. 
and reading in their booklets here gets into all the nitty gritty of how the structure is set up, how you bring issues and concerns to them and their appeals process and all of the ways that their government works. Very similar, I think, to how a Presbyterian church and their sessions work. But like I said, they are credo-baptist, so believer's baptism. What I got from the membership class and from their articles of faith, they are not considered Reformed Baptist using the 1689 because I think the main difference is in the covenant theology. Now again, I've only scratched the surface on what covenant theology is and what it includes versus other forms of theology, such as I know there are a few different types of dispensational theology. And I'm thinking that the BFC is leaning towards one of the dispensational theologies. Uh, Which one? I am not sure. I have not researched enough to know that. So basically, their churches are not just independent Baptist churches out by themselves. They are connected to their network and their government, and they hold each other accountable. And they have a whole system for planting churches and what all that entails. I'm sympathetic towards like their view of the end times, but they hold the premillennium view of things. And I personally, as I was studying theology and all of those things, I did study some eschatology and I began holding the view of amillennialism. So that's where I'm at. But I also know, obviously, that none of us know exactly how it's going to go down. And that's not a major issue to me to say I wouldn't join that church or denomination. I was pretty much raised with the pre-mill view as well you know, the whole Left Behind series type of thing. And that's what I believed up until I started becoming more Reformed. So regardless, that's not a big issue. And this BFC congregation has been a place of growth and learning for both me and my husband, and hopefully for my children as well. We've enjoyed um, solid expository preaching through books of the Bible. And in the summers, the pastor does a topical study. So like this summer coming up now is going to be on prayer. And I'm really looking forward to that. We are going to be looking for places to plug in to do ministry in this local congregation. We really like that it has the Presbyterian style of government for the layers of accountability and order, basically. We like that it embraces the doctrines of grace And, you know, has reformed undertones, I'll say, sometimes even overtones, and recommendation of solid resources and references to, you know, reformed pastors and resources in the sermons. I would say that it probably has a lot of the same feel and beliefs as John MacArthur and his church. In fact, the pastor of our sister church graduated from the Master's University. Also, the Bible Fellowship Church holds to the five solas and the Reformed soteriology. I've asked the question to myself, so can I be called a Reformed person? 
because I'm sort of a mixture of things like I hold to the doctrines of grace and the five solas. I hold to amillennialism as eschatology and things like that. But if I'm not attending a Presbyterian church or a Reformed Baptist church that holds to the 1689, like, am I still considered Reformed? I guess I could say I'm semi-reformed, maybe, but I could also say I'm Orthodox Christian. I hold to the traditional historical Christian beliefs. So as I was learning and trying to figure out exactly what being reformed meant and what it looked like, I was keeping notes in a notebook. I made a list, which I have kept around, and I compiled this mainly from questions that either I would ask or someone else would ask in the Theology Gals Facebook group. And this was a number of years ago, probably four or five years ago, when I was first digging into being Reformed. And so I wanted to kind of clarify, going over this list versus a lot of people throw around the term reformed, like as in calling themselves reformed or a church reformed or whatever, when in reality, it might just simply be that that person or that church holds to the doctrines of grace, which is also known as the five points of Calvinism. And perhaps they also embrace the five solas. But those doctrines of grace or the five points of Calvinism and or the five solas is not all that being reformed is. Presently, we see a lot of misuse of the term. And I think that's where the young, restless, and reformed phrase and idea got started because it was referring to people who misused the word reformed to just basically meaning they were people who are Calvinistic and held to the five solas. I might be wrong on that, but that's what I have gathered over the years. So my old list says that Reformed theology is or includes the five points of Calvinism or otherwise known as the doctrines of grace, the regulative principle of worship in their church services, their eschatology is usually amillennialism or postmillennialism. As for spiritual gifts, they are cessationists. Their overarching theology is covenant theology versus dispensationalism. Their church has a government structure and hierarchy. And also the church is meant for believers primarily. The preaching is usually expository. Baptism, they usually are pedo-baptists, meaning babies and children of believing parents are also brought into the covenant. Of course, that's different for Reformed Baptists. The sacraments are a means of grace, not simply a remembrance. And the means of grace do include all of the elements of the church service. They hold all of that higher than other churches and congregations. They believe that the means of grace is where the believer mainly gets fed and grows in their faith. And those include hearing the preached word, the ordinances or sacraments, however you want to say, which includes the Lord's Supper and baptism, prayer, worship, and the fellowship of saints. They hold to the creeds, confessions, and catechisms of the Christian faith and the Reformers. Presbyterians would be the Westminster Confession and Catechism, 
And the Reformed Baptists are the 1689 London Baptist Confession. So they consider themselves confessional. Generally, they hold to no images of Christ in their churches or uh, materials, either for children or adults. And they usually practice the Sabbath, meaning being Sabbatarians, holding the Lord's Day in higher regard than other denominations. They have a clear law-gospel distinction and uses of the law. The hermeneutics they use to study the Bible is slightly different than dispensational. I don't know what all of those distinctives are, but I have heard that that is true. And another difference is that Reformed theology is more Christocentric versus dispensationalism is more Israel-centric. So that was just a list that I compiled a few years ago from things that I had learned and observed. A couple of good resources in case you're interested in digging into covenant theology and Reformed theology. These are books that I have I did read How Then Shall We Worship by R.C. Sproul. That was a very good book. And then I have What is Reformed Theology, also by R.C. Sproul. I cannot recall if I finished reading that book. And then I have Introducing Covenant Theology by Michael Horton, which I know I am only about halfway through. I had started that several years ago as well at the same time that I was learning all of this stuff. And I mean, going through those books, I definitely agree with a lot of what he says covenant theology is. It's just that I don't hold the hard view of paedo-baptism, and I'm not a strict Sabbatarian. And then obviously, we are not attending a confessionally Reformed church. I have read through the Westminster Confession and Catechism. I do agree with most of that, except for, you know, just being sympathetic about the baptism issue. I've not yet read over the London Baptist Confession for the Reformed Baptists, but I do have a copy and would like to do that. So that's just sort of to clarify, because a lot of people misuse the term Reformed, and it always seemed to me like most people were saying that unless you hold to all of that that I just listed out, like you weren't really truly reformed. I am fine considering myself like semi-reformed or orthodox Christian. So the Bible Fellowship Church does seem to be a really good fit for me and my family and what we believe and hold to. So I'm thankful to have found them. And hopefully my list and brief review of what Reformed theology is will help you in some way if you're wondering or trying to distinguish the distinctives between like covenant theology, Reformed theology, and dispensationalism. But of course, I'm no expert. I've been learning over the past four or five years myself. Then uh, also, can the BFC truly be called a Reformed Church? And I think their website might even call them a hybrid church, a hybrid of Presbyterian and Baptist. So I guess you could say they're like a semi-Reformed hybrid of Presbyterian and Baptist. That would be a good, really quick nutshell (laughs) description. So that is where we have chosen to make our church home. 
And I just wanted to introduce this denomination to you if you've never heard of it. And you can check it out if you'd like to. They have their whole Articles of Faith on their website and also different locations if you wanted to search for a church. And that is at bfc.org. And I also wanted to say that I've heard of some other independent churches having the names of Bible Fellowship or some versions of those words in their name. So you kind of have to check and make sure if you are actually looking for a Bible Fellowship Church of the denomination that truly is one of denominational churches of the BFC. Also, another interesting, like really interesting fact to me is some of their history of where their denomination actually came from. They stemmed from a group of Mennonites. Yes, Anabaptist Mennonites. Now, our pastor told us in our membership class that a few of these Mennonite men that were in leadership at the time, and yes, their history is also on their website, but it doesn't say this part that these some of these men who broke off of the Mennonite conference, whatever they're called, <laughs> that they were part of originally, went to Westminster and got educated there. And that is where they were really digging in. That's where they embraced the doctrines of grace and sort of the Presbyterian style of government with their ecclesiology and just brought that back to start this hybrid <laughs> called the Bible Fellowship Church. And just another interesting little side note, in case you're interested in some history, our pastor said during our membership class that one of the key people who was an Anabaptist back in the day that would be of interest is Balthasar Hugh Meyer. He was born in 1480 and died in 1528. So he was a contemporary of the Reformers. I just read a little bit about him and he was mixing it up a little bit <laughs> or debating things a little bit with Zwingli from what our pastor said and from reading Hugh Meyer's historical information. I think that most likely the Mennonite leaders who were breaking away from the Mennonite conference that they were part of at the time to start the Bible Fellowship Church held views very close to Hugh Meyer. And then I thought I'd mention too that the Bible Fellowship Church was started in 1858, so it has been in existence for about 163 years. So it was just extremely interesting to me to read that this denomination was started by Mennonites. It is actually interesting to go back and research any denomination that you're part of. I've researched ones that we've been part of now, and it's interesting where everything stems from. I hope you found it interesting and informative. And stay tuned next week for another episode. I'm not sure the topic at this time. If you're someone that's searching for a church, I hope that you find somewhere solid. Just because a church uses Bible verses in their sermons or whatever does not necessarily mean they are a biblical 
you know, gospel preaching and solid church. So do your homework. And if you need any help or resources, let me know. We've looked for many churches before. We've been in many churches and know um, a little bit about finding good churches. I'm familiar with some resources to point you towards as well. So this podcast is part of the Christian podcast community. They have tons of excellent podcasts to listen to. Go check them out. They are at podcasts.strivingforeternity.org. You can check out my blog at www.kristen-hamilton.com. You can send me an email with any questions or concerns or topic suggestions at inawwonderpodcast at gmail.com. And most importantly, keep reading your Bible.